Hello, listeners. It's truly our pleasure to have you join us for this weekly segment of our program called Hearer Voices from the People Who Bring You ICU Talks. Today, we'll take a few minutes to revisit the messages from our most recent event and dig a little deeper into the content and meaning of what we heard. So now, it's our great pleasure to begin this episode of Hear Voices. We hope you enjoy it. So this is Kim Honeycutt, psychotherapist and co-founder of ICU Talks. I'm here my sister in Christ, Danielle Justice. Hi, Danielle. Hi. And my little brother, who is very muscular. He's not very little, right? I'm Dan. Dan the man. So, so I am going to actually be quiet. Everyone who's can regular, you imagine that? Right, the regular listeners oh, like, what? Oh, dead air, right? <laughs> because today. Um, you're going to interview me about my talk I did at the last ICU Talks event. Yeah. Which was very good. That you think. Hopefully you just listened to. Right? Absolutely. Do you want to lead off? Um, I would like I would like to do that. Where should we start? You want to just start wherever? Like, so, where, Kim, why don't you no, go I ahead and... A, I want my money back if you already interviewed No, I, I didn't know if you wanted to like do a brief like summary. Sure, so I can do that. That's didn't know. That's a great idea. So I, I have a huge heart for really teaching people what it means to really receive God's grace and the worth that he has for us and teaching people about what stops us from thinking that we're worthy of his worth. Why our life becomes about what we deserve, which comes from rejection, shame, and blame, comes from life events that are very painful. And we get caught up in that, and so we, we get blocked from knowing that God's called us to have a life of receiving and from that place we are to give. And I talked about that people believe in service before self. I believe service from self. And so that's really what I just kind of talked about what it means to get free of our fear of rejection. I think fear of rejection is one of the biggest things that blocks us from our purpose in life and from having deeper relationships with ourself, with people, and more importantly, with God. Yeah. I think what um, stands out for me on that is your, your example of Angie, I believe. Yes. Can you just like yes. tell that story really quick? Yeah, I sure. think it's just so relatable because we see or maybe we do that. Yeah, and so really if you want to see the actual diagram, you'd have to go on YouTube and watch the video on ICU Talks channel. But I did this diagram kind of explaining how as you grow up, it's first about your physical needs, which is sleep, food, shelter, and then it becomes about your emotional needs. And overall, your emotional needs teach you that you matter. But we have a rejection event that comes in that will give us the impression that we don't matter. So we'll cover our needs with behavior because we're so scared of ever feeling that type of rejection again. Mm-hmm. So the example in that I used was Angie, who in middle school was had friends and everything was good. And we all know middle school is not what tough, we call yeah tough, tough age. It's, it's just people just change. It yeah. becomes about fitting in instead of being... Figuring out who you are. Yeah, and so it's a difficult yeah. time. So Angie was very innocent at the time, and I, she's not now. Anybody knows her, yeah. right? But a bunch of kids started rumors about her that she was doing sexual acts with boys, and she didn't even know what they were saying when they were saying it to her. She didn't know the words. But people ostracized her at that time. And so her way, because she thought she deserved it and she blamed herself, her way of compensating was overcaring. So it's a lot of the behavior a lot of us do is that we... Overcare for other people, we undertake care of ourselves. 
And so she decided if she was nice to everybody, they would like her again. And so all her effort went into people liking her. And we can't do that and realize who we really are because yeah. it becomes, you, it just becomes about the rejection behavior instead of the character that you have, the godly character that's there. So you the start neglecting like physically, any emotionally yes. yourself. You're right. not taking care of yourself. Right. To make sure every everyone else is around you is taken care of. Right. So then, okay, so that would segue into the golden rule that you talked about a little bit, right? So The greatest commandment. Right. Right. So if we're not taking very good care of ourselves, then is the golden rule applicable in those instances? So if I'm not very nice to myself and I'm going to love you as I love myself, you're probably not going to like me. Any right. any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think we have so much fear of being rejected because, you know, I think if you get to know who I am, you won't like me. If I... Uh, yeah, why is that well, funny, Dan? Yeah, yeah. Why is that? I couldn't you know, imagine that. I know. You I can mean, imagine not liking me. Like no. Right. I'm very likable. likable. Is there anyone that doesn't... I don't think there's anyone. For, no. you know, for a long time, I disliked myself so much, it didn't matter if you liked me. But if all my effort, like with Angie, went to getting you to like me, and so I neglect me, and so I know today it means I was neglecting the one that he saved. So if our call from, from Jesus is to love your neighbor as you love yourself, that if that was literal, if it was, if it was really true, it means you cannot do something for somebody else unless you let them do it for you. So if I'm not... I love that so much. It's hard. Yes. I think it's hard to grasp because you just, like, put it in a, like, relatable okay, so situation. At the end of our events, we ask people to come for prayer. They have a prayer team who's gone through training. Part of their training is that they have to be willing to let someone pray for them. So you cannot be in our prayer team. And you can't pray over someone else unless you, you are willing to be prayed over, be vulnerable, say what's going on with you. Right? We don't do that to punish someone who's struggling with being prayed over. We just want them to know like that the person praying over them is, is somebody who's also willing to do the same thing, have the same walk. Right? Yeah. So if I won't let... You cook me a meal, right? Like I won't let you do anything for me, but I'll I'll go and you'll organize a, a whole five day dinner list for right, get for sick you. or something. Yeah, right. Then we got a problem. Yeah, we got no, a problem. I think that's great. Right. I yeah. think that's yeah. So that actually relates to a talk that you and I had earlier when you said, "Could I pray for you?" And I said, "Nah, I'm good." So that's actually a bad thing that I said. That wasn't macho and heroic. That was not a good thing. Meaning, like, you're aware that it shows that there might be some shame in there. Right? So when we're connected to ourself and, and that that's okay that we have needs, when someone says, hey, can I be a part of your need, then that allows us to connect to each other. Right? So when you pray over somebody and with them, like, it's deep. Like, it's an amazing connection that happens. So if you say, no, I'm good, and that's where you are and that's fine, but we won't have that connection with each other. Gotcha. You so, want that connection with her. Something to of course you do, out. little brother. So I talk to a lot of people who will not pray because that is taking their emotional needs to God. And they say, well, he's, he's busy. My stuff is petty. All this stuff. That is people who have been shamed about having needs. Like the relationship is, or relationships are based on needs. So if one person in the marriage is... is completely taking care of the other spouse, but not letting the spouse be there for them, or a spouse who refuses to be there for them, you can call a lot of things. A deep relationship, you can't. Right. 
And most of it you think just stems from past trauma or because I, I think that like when I think about situations like that that I have created for myself, I didn't like it's hard for me to know how. Like, I think it's very easy to be a giver and do things and like, okay, you need dinner. Let me go do that. Right. But it's, it's, it's can be sometimes difficult for someone to reach out and say like, Hey, I'm, I have strep throat. Can I have right. some soup? Right. Right. <laughs> like, it's just hard, you know, like, yeah. can someone bring me soup? Like, right. I just think oh, I'll just, I'll take care of it. I'll just right. do it. And yeah. so my, the challenge is when I have strep throat and I won't let somebody come bring me soup even though I'm dying for some chicken noodle soup from Publix. Mm-hmm. I, was. Some I, was. I know. I would have, and I offered to do that for you via text. I did offer. If I won't do that, and I, I said, to, No, I'm okay. He said, No, I'm fine. Let me starve. Right. And for me to pause in that moment and say, What What am I really in fear of? Yeah. Because if we're really in relationship with God and we know how much He did for us, then we let His people come into. Right? We're in this together. We're brothers and sisters. That's why I call you brother, and I literally mean like you're my sister in Christ. Like, this world's too hard. There's too much going on. So if I'm hiding my emotional needs, we hide things out of shame. Just like in the Garden of Eden. They instantly started hiding who they were. So I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to tell you what I need. You won't have to guess. When people decide my needs for me, it does not go well. Right. I'm not going to lose with that because I'm, I will tell you exactly what I need. You don't have to guess. Right. Like I told you yesterday what I needed, Dan. You made a phone call for me. You took care of that for me. That's right. And you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I will tell somebody. I think it just takes practice. I mean, it's a practice. Lots of practice. A Lots practice. Of practice. Um, because I think that just anxiety can stem from that. Right. Like, so I can sound like I'm so like great about my needs. It came from life and death. It, it came from my, my sobriety and recovery and then later on struggling with an eating disorder and being, being almost hospitalized again, even with 10 years sobriety. Like, me expressing my needs came from deep pain and figuring out that I was not going to make it. Right. It didn't matter how successful I was. I was not emotionally successful. And so I get, I didn't just wake up and go, oh, this is healthy. Let me do this. Yeah. No, I get the pain of the weight of the pain was huge. And so I saw the solution. And who did you start? Like, do you pick your, I guess, probably a lot of people struggle with who they're going to reach out to. Like, right. who can I start practicing this with? Right. Like, just a good friend? Like, just someone that you can trust? Um, is that what you did? Just- sure. It's nice to have a history with somebody. But I really like people who tell me yes and no. I don't trust your yes if you don't give me a no. Like, I'm good with people who are really balanced. So you would say, I wish I could. I don't have time. I'm like, oh, I can trust you. Yeah. You're solid. This is great. Because right? they're standing up for their needs. Right, absolutely. Saying, I don't have time. That's right. And they're saying something. So that if they will tell me their needs, then I'm good. So if we go to Starbucks and I say, hey, can let me buy you a drink? I'll buy it for you. And you're like, hey, no, 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 no. I, I don't want you to do that because you don't let me, you won't let me be there for that need. I'm probably going to back off a little bit or at least be aware that you're not the person I'm going to ask to do something for me because you would be too happy to do it for me right because you're seeking your worth but some some people may keep a record of what they've done for other people too though right so the bible says of, those people are going to hell that's right, right. yeah now i know you where, say right? i know where some of my relatives <laughs> right. are <then. laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah, but if I'm if I'm spiritually cleansed and I'm yes. I'm not doing something out of shame and blame, I'm doing something because I'm honored someone trusted me in that respect. I don't have to keep score. I will keep score in the sense that that you know that if I think you're unhealthy, right? If like I can feel from people when they ask something from me if they're healthy or not. I can sense. For, that's just for, my Dang. central nervous system can kind of pick up on someone else's central nervous system or where they are. So, it's like, I guess I, I guess I know so, but I just said they're going to hell. But maybe I'm wrong because <laughs> I do that, but I do it in the sense of knowing how healthy they are. I don't want someone doing something for me, trying to get me to like them or get my approval because we need to seek God's approval, not each other's. Right. So I don't want to be a part of their sickness. I don't. When you enable, you disable. Yes. And I, I don't want that. Yeah, yeah, and I do not want to do that with people. Yeah. So any other questions about my talk? You better come up with something more on the air. <laughs> <laughs> what number of speech was that for you, Kim? 2003. That hey, right. do you want to go over the um, <laughs> cross that you beautifully illustrated? So beautiful. So I mean, Please go to YouTube and watch, see my yes. handwriting. It took some artistic license to... Uh, <laughs> yeah, and there was... I don't remember what happened, but I threw <laughs> yes. something... Someone opened a mint. No, I yelled at him. That was red. I yelled at him, but somebody else, I think, laughed at me because my handwriting was bad, and I threw something at them. That's That's why you've got to come to ICU Talks events, people. Like, we get crazy. (laughs) Weren't you security? Where were you? I was on it. I was headed toward it. So, yes, maybe go through, take us through the illustration. I mean, high level. Yeah. So when you're, from the time you're an embryo, like from the get-go it is about your physical needs it is about food and and sleep and so you're when you're born there's allegedly your parents who are going to try to help you have a sense of self to know who you are as a person so definition of self is met needs so the bridge between being a child and becoming an adult who knows who he or she is is physical needs and emotional needs but when rejection comes in and our needs get rejected, who we think we are gets rejected, that's when people start covering up what they need and it becomes about behavior. So think about it. Think about when something happens and when your needs gets rejected and it really, really hurts and feels badly, feels horrible. Like Angie's situation in middle school. Right. So you will, even today as an adult, you're, something really happens to you, you feel rejected, you feel like you don't matter, automatically either you'll eat everything in your house or you'll eat nothing for days. You'll stay up late perseverating on what, what happened, or you'll sleep days for 12, 14 hours. Yeah. Right? Because it goes back to your physical needs. So it is, when we are feeling like ourselves, it's because our physical needs are met and our emotional needs are met. If you will not receive from someone, then your emotional needs are not being developed. And then we believe the false self, and that's what the enemy wants. He wants you thinking that, you are the pain that came from your rejection. And blame tells you you have to prove yourself. You're constantly having to have performance. You're constantly having to do something in a relationship. But when you overdo a relationship, there's, there's no true connection. It's just like when you use drugs, you have to use more and do more. Same thing when it comes to people pleasing, codependency, and performance. You have to keep doing more for somebody to say that you can feel worthy just for a second. Well, God sent his son. So that we would no longer think we have to prove anything, right? It's about it's about His grace. Yeah. And His grace says that every, anything 
that would stand in the way of you knowing who he says you are and who he is has been buried. And that's how we resurrect us who we really are. And it's a transformation. Yeah, for sure. Right? So when I accepted Christ years and years ago, in that moment I was reborn, I was not renewed. I was not renewed. Like, there's still areas in my life I'm not renewed, but there is a process. I'm, I'm, I'm in the transformation. And we got to have people supportive, like you two, or I can't go to the next level. That was like major kudos to us. I did acknowledge y'all. I did acknowledge acknowledge a little bit. Do you find, like, I think it's so interesting that, well, I think a lot of people just don't understand how much work that they have to do and, like, process. um, Because some things do come from childhood that they're still working on. But do you find that, um, I don't know, like some, say someone's in a toxic relationship and they are pleasing like constantly. Mm-hmm. If they end that, so they think that they're like cleansing and getting better, do they? Do you usually see them just take that same behavior to someone else? Does that oh, happen absolutely. often? Like in, in AA, we, or in substance addiction world, we say like you can just switch seats on the Titanic. You can go from mm-hmm. cocaine to alcohol to Adderall. Yeah. Like you can switch seats and not really get... Better. You're and still so, an addict, right? Because it's it's not that you're you're doing you're still bringing the thing in that lets you think that you're somebody that you're not. Yeah. All right. So all the pain I went through growing up, because I believe that person that got developed through the rejection was who I really was. Why would I spend time with her? Why would I ever invest in her? I thought she was absolutely horrible. I hated her. So it was it was such a relief to learn. That's only who the enemy wanted me to think yeah. I was. And I got to find out in the Bible and through people and things that who I really was in him. It's more than life-changing. It's life-giving. Was it like a defining moment for you or was it a slow process it's for you? such a slow process. The first eight or nine years I was sober, at least once a week I had a drinking dream. Really? That's all I knew. That you were? That you oh, were that I was drunk. Drunk. Uh, and so in the beginning it scared me because I was so scared of, of going back to that life. After a while, I was like, free drunk. <laughs> Woo! No, no hangover. No hangover, no white chip, <laughs> nothing. I'm good. Like, it took me a long time to realize like, what, what a hangover really was. Of course, back then it was physical. A hangover was what was hanging over was the shame and blame and rejection in my life. Yeah. All right, and so I had to clean that up. And when you have that much trauma, you don't just get a big mop and start. Like, it was yeah. a little itty-bitty Chunks at a time. Yeah, like it was just such a slow process. I'm 23 years in, and I've, every day I feel like it's like, oh, I'm just now getting it. You know, I'm just now starting to understand how much he really, really yeah. loves me. You're peaking. Yeah. And so really, ICU Talks is such a part of that. <laughs> it's all, no, it's not on the jumps. Oh. We'll peak forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's the whole thing. Like, even you saying peaking like that, that, you know, think about how lasagna is shaped, right? <laughs> Like, that's the goal. It's not, my life is not a roller coaster anymore. It's lasagna. Yeah. Like, it's, it's still a little bit up and down. I still, yeah. I got depressed two weeks ago out of nowhere. Like, I just got hit really hard and felt powerless again. And it just, it didn't take me but 12 hours this time to get out of it. Mm. But I still have a lot of triggers. Things yeah. still happen. I just know there's purpose in all of it, and it's not who I really am. Doesn't it just feel more, like I've noticed through my journey, just as I've worked through things, it's just a little bit more controlled. Like those lows, you're right. you're a little more in control. You right. more so than sure. me, but like I just feel a little more control over 
okay, I'm right. in a depression period. Like right. I need to do these things. Right. There's no way. Versus, versus yeah. yeah. Versus just being depressed right. and right. Right. Like I can't change anything I'm not aware of. Right. And so I could tell you there's a cup of water in front of you. You could just be like, I'm so thirsty. I really wish there was water. Because you're just, there's no awareness yet. You just know that something hurts. You don't know there's actually a solution yeah. in front of you. Doesn't mean we're ready in a sense. And so for me, it's just taken a lot of pain to just slowly process and get rid of any lie from my childhood and just from life that told me that I deserved all the things that happened to me. I love that. So, Av, was there anything that, have you watched your? No. Your talk? Talk. No, I have not watched my talk. <laughs> after you. I'm interested because after I threw a few things. Days, I, you did throw those things yes. and your my cross, handwriting, cross yes. was a little. Looked like a propeller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got the point. Yeah. After you drew the Tough square, lifting. it was okay. But yeah. after, like now that you have had a few days to process, is there yeah. anything that you wish you would have said or gotten across to the to the people there? That's a good question. What what I what stands out to me is how much how comfortable I am on stage now because the ISU Talks crowd is amazing. Yes. And security. And security, security is fantastic. But you just walk in and. You can just feel like mm-hmm. the openness. Like yes. they're just accepting. It's just a yes. different group of people. It's yeah. just an accepting group. Yeah. And so and so people who are new to this, when we started this five years ago, we actually met at Harvey's, which is a bar, which is so ironic for me. And so the most we could get was sixty people. And so night one I said, Father God, if we could have twenty people come to this, it would be great. And we had sixty, we couldn't have any more. Mm-hmm. And then when Mosaic got their Hope Center up and we could go to it and we're so grateful for Mosaic Church that they house us you know the third Tuesday of the month that we started going there but initially when we were at Harvey's people were like we're not coming back because this is vulnerable and wrong yeah and so now if a speaker doesn't get a little deeper like Star got so deep Macy talked so clearly about her grief if a speaker doesn't go there mm-hmm. like, people were really like what what yeah. happened? What's going on? And now they crave it because, yeah. you know, when you first hear truth, you will walk away. You won't see the cup of yeah. water in front of you. You're not ready. And so we've created an atmosphere with a lot of people helping. Yeah. That people are okay in this raw, vulnerable environment, and we're getting better together. Yep. And I think that just when you see a speaker get up there, regardless of the topic, get raw and vulnerable, it just, I mean... There's just a sense of like, okay, I'm gonna like, I'm. She can get through this. Yes. Yes. I can get through this. We right. may not have the same story, yeah. but same feelings. Yeah. And for me, I may mean, have this inside information. I love it. Like I look at the crowd and I can see. You know who's there. Time, three or four people who I know have lost a significant loved one from mental illness. I can see people in the audience who I know had chemotherapy three days before and they still show up. You know, like I see all these people who are struggling and they still show yeah. up. And I also love there's people who come who don't have huge trauma. Like they don't have, like for you, they know you get very significant trauma to point to. Like they don't have that. They just know they still heard the same shame voice. Mm-hmm. They still are stuck in performance. And they're there too. It's all of us. Yeah. And there are people there who aren't believers in Christ and they feel comfortable yes. there. And I love that. Yes. I agree. I agree. So I thank you all for letting me be in my own show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you did a great job. <laughs> well, thank you.
do we need to tell her that again? Yes, yes. We've only told her like eight, eight <laughs> times. Hey, Kids, listen, you're great. You're great. You're great. I didn't get any attention when I was Okay, little. you're getting it now. I actually now. sat over here listening instead of asking questions because it was very helpful to be being honest. So that's oh, why I was a little you, bit brother. quiet because I was actually I want to stroke your face in. for that. Thanks. Just Thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> I will be hearing from your wife later. <laughs> so we thank you, Kim, for going back into your story and giving us a little bit more of you. Um, is there anything else you want to ask, Dan? You good? I'm good, but thank you to everyone for listening today, and we'll have many more episodes coming up soon. Love you all. Bye. Thanks again for joining us. ICU Talks is a mental health ministry founded on God, education, validation, and community. ICU Talks hosts live events that occur on the third Tuesday of every month, allowing people to come forward to share their authentic stories involving mental health in front of a live audience. Please subscribe to our podcast, and we'd be very pleased if you would leave us positive and uplifting comments. Keep in mind, all original ICU Talk sessions are available on YouTube. And for more information, please go to icutalks.org. It's been a pleasure having you join us today.